0: Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping, midwayusa.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide the podcast helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanidis, and today we're going to answer the question, why does some deer taste better than others? Uh, I've heard this a lot. I've heard people talk about how much they love deer. Some people talk about how much they hate deer, or should I say venison? Um, There's a lot that people have to say about this, But then there's a lot that you can do to have an effect on it. So before we jump into the actual meat of the question, you know, I can tell you from my own experience, I've taken a deer that was absolutely delicious. I've taken another deer that was so gamey, it was hard to eat and and palatable and hard to cook and just, you know, just difficult, just a pain. Like, why did this happen? And since then, I've learned more than one or two things about it. But there's a lot you can do as the hunter uh, before and after taking the shot that can affect this. Now, with that said, I should also address, you know, some people, they want to talk about, you know, venison tastes just like beef and you want to prepare it so it tastes just like beef. And you want to do all these complicated things to it so that it tastes just like beef. Well, I'm here to tell you venison's not beef. It's not supposed to taste just like beef. It's supposed to be different. It's a different type of meat, and it should be desirable, and you should like it, and you should um, you know, work on the best ways to cook it for what it is, not trying to pretend it or turn it into beef. You can prepare it so it's just like beef, but I think you're actually doing venison a disservice because its own qualities and its own distinct flavor notes are excellent. And, and it's, an, it's, a, it's a nice change of pace from beef. Now, some people may not like it. Some people don't like beef. So, you know, everything's not for everybody. But I want to I get into today, why does venison, some deer taste better than others? Why does some venison taste better than others? Well, you've got the cooking side of it. I'm going to hold on to that for a minute. And we're going to go to the field first, because this is really where it starts. Uh, The number one, uh, well, there's two major factors, and then there's a number of minor factors that are going to affect this. The number one factor, in my opinion and from my experience, has been what happened to that deer just before and just after the shot. So here's the way that it works. A calm deer tastes the best. If that deer was calm and you shot it and it dropped and it expired quickly, it's going to have the best flavor. A deer that has just been running and is exhausted, its its heart rate is up, its blood's pumping, its lung capacity's maxed out, it's got adrenaline flowing through its veins. You've got all this lactic acid that builds up in the muscles, just like what happens to you when you've run hard and push hard. Um, that is going to affect taste. That is going to impact what that deer tastes like. So I'll give you an example. First deer I took, I was sitting in my tree stand. It was the end of my second all-day sit in a row, which since then I have stopped doing back-to-back all-day sits because it's just terrible on your back and on your body, period. It's it's more painful than it needs to be. I might do two mornings back-to-back, but I'm not doing all-day sits back-to-back anymore, unless for some reason something excites me to the point where I want to give it a shot. But in general, I just stopped doing it after this particular hunt that I'm telling you about. Uh, but I'm sitting there, sun's going down, I've given up, right? I'm in my tree, and there's like 10 minutes left of legal shooting hours. It was, I, I, Two full days before dark to after dark in the tree, back-to-back, I'm exhausted, my brain's exhausted, my body's exhausted, my back hurts from sitting in this stand all day for two days in a row. I've given up on the day. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking about and plotting and planning, when can I get back into the woods next? Maybe this coming Saturday, maybe next Monday. I'm pondering, you know, what do I do? do, When do I come back into the woods next? While I'm doing that, I hear some rustling in the distance. And I look up. And I see nothing, but it gets louder and louder and louder. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And so I'm, you know, my gun is up to the ready, safety's off. I don't know what's happening, but I'm ready for whatever, right? And as I'm sitting there, I see a deer running. I mean, you know, just full speed. Another one behind it, another one behind. I mean, these deer are running. I don't know how long they've been running, but they are running like they are being chased by Bigfoot, I mean, just full, like someone had been shooting at them and I'd heard no shots. I mean, just full speed, just, you know, they're, they run, they're probably 40, 40 yards in front of me. The first one flies by the second one flies by. I'm sitting like, should I try to take a shot? And I'm like, there's no way I can hit a deer running at full sprint. Um, there's just, it's not even worth trying. It's not, maybe, maybe you've practiced that, uh, I don't recommend it, even if you have practiced it. But I'm I'm just waiting for an opportunity. Deer number three flies by. Deer number four is running, and and literally forty feet straight in front of me. Deer number four just runs out of gas, just exhausted, just stops running to a trot, and then just that trot drops to a to just a very slow walk. And as soon as that deer dropped to a slow walk, I mean you know, like one mile an hour. I took the shot and that deer just dropped. I mean, it just fell. I mean, I, it was a 30-30. It was a Hornady bullet and that deer just went d- I mean, did not take one step. The bullet hit it right through the vitals. Perfect shot exactly where you want it to go, uh, which you ought to be able to do at 40 yards with a rifle and a scope. And it just went straight down. Did not move again, and I was kind of shocked by that. But I, uh, you know, didn't have a whole lot of experience, and uh, I was stoked. I was so excited, I couldn't believe it. It was a great day, great end of the day, exhausting end of the day. By the time I got home, uh, and I won't tell you the whole story because that's not part of what we're talking about here. But that deer dropped. I was so stoked, so excited. Got that deer to the butcher. Um, Got it back, was so excited about, you know, my first deer, all this. Man, that meat was just so venison, or so gamey, so strong. It was almost unbearable how strong it was. And didn't matter how I cooked it. And I I I just I started trying to figure that out and doing some research. It was a doe. And it was uh probably a two and a half year old doe. Um and it had bred that year, it was a it was a wet dough, and I was trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? And then as I realized what was happening, that deer had run until it could not run anymore. It literally just was like, I have to stop running or I'm gonna pass out. And it stopped running from exhaustion in front of me. When I shot it, it's like, you know, just imagine you just ran a marathon, and somebody came up at the end, and you know just punched you in the face you got nothing left to give you've got no fight no kick left in you you just drop to the ground and just whatever and that's exactly what happened with this deer but all that running all that lactic acid exhaustion um you know carbon dioxide in the bloodstream and then it died that just absolutely tainted the meat just completely it wasn't inedible it wasn't absolutely terrible but it wasn't like the venison i'd had when i was growing up that was delicious that made me want to start hunting deer Um, and that's the number one thing the the you you don't want to shoot a deer that has been sprinting and running around and by the same token you don't want to shoot a deer um, and take a bad shot where that deer is going to then sprint and run for a mile you, you want to you cause that deer as little physical activity before and after the shot as possible. So let me give you a, a completely different example. Uh, three weeks ago, I was out for archery and uh, I'm sitting in my blind, 9.30 in the morning, everything's quiet. You know, I'm, I'm foregoing the whole story because that's not part of this episode. And long story short, this doe at just absolute leisure, couldn't have been slower, you know, just just puttering a long pace, just walked out from the trail in front of me, just ba a derp you know, just doing her thing. I took the shot. That deer dropped. I mean, I hit it with a crossbow bolt, right? Went right through it, dropped. Did not walk five more feet and expired quickly thereafter. Got that deer taken care of. That was maybe the most delicious deer I've ever had. Uh, absolutely unbelievable the difference between that deer. I mean, did not run five feet before or after the shot. So you're going to have the least amount of cardio. Active, cardiovascular activity, the least amount of adrenaline, the least amount of lactic acid built up in the muscles that you can get, and just made a huge difference. So shot placement matters unbelievably, and when you take a shot matters unbelievably. Now I've been there. You you get to a point where you're like, I'm gonna take a shot. I don't care if that deer was running, um, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You just have to realize that that's gonna impact. The, the flavor of the meat and it might impact it a little, it might impact it a lot. You know I'm not here to tell you you shouldn't do that. I have done it and I may do it again. but you have to keep that in mind. I know now that I, I focus myself, I work on trying to only take deer and that are an ideal situation and only take a shot when I have a great shot. Um, there's a lot of bad shots you can take that people do take and they hit a deer in the gut, or they they hit them in a a less than critical area, and that deer runs and, and goes on for hours after that, and they eventually track it and find it. I don't want to take those kind of shots. I just do not want to do it. Not that I'm scared to track a deer. It's just not worth it. One, to the animal, that's just, you don't want that animal to suffer any more than it needs to, and two, that's just not going to be good for the meat. You want to you want to do the best shot you can and put it down as fast as you can? So that's number one, the biggest thing about what's going to impact the flavor of the meat. How quickly did you, did you were able to drop it? How far did it run before and after the shot? The, the more you can minimize those things, the better you can judge that. The, the better shot placement, the more it's going to impact the quality of the meat. Number two thing, how quickly can you get that deer from on the ground to the, to the fridge, to the freezer. What's, how fast can you get that deer from the dirt to the freezer? Whether that's your, your refrigeration or the butchers or wherever you're taking it, whatever you're going to do, how do you get that deer from the dirt to there? Now, what people like to do is they'll drop a deer and they'll call their friends and they'll take pictures and they'll, they'll play around for an hour or two and just recapture the moment. And what's happening is every minute after that deer dies, all sorts of metabolic processes are going on in the inside. You've got bacteria starting to form. You've got you know gases that start to build up and bloating and you've got the guts in there. And all of that over time is going to start to impact the meat just in general. It's going to start to sour the meat. It's going to start to affect the flavor of the meat. Best thing you can do, as soon as that deer is down, and it is fully expired, you want to you want to uh, field dress that deer, you want to get the guts out as quickly as you can, safely of course, you want to get that out so you begin the cooling process, and you get all that stuff out of it that can potentially impact the meat, and I've done an episode in the past on how to field dress a deer, you should go back and check that out, there's some good tips there. Um, you know, that'll, that'll help you out on doing that. But you want to get that deer field dressed and then you want to get that deer into refrigeration. Now, if it's freezing outside, if it's snowing, it's not that big of a deal in terms of, you know, trying to get it out of the woods as quickly as possible. But keep this in mind. Um, you know, a lot of times when you take it to a butcher first thing they're going to do is skin it while it's still warm because the skin comes off easier that's going to allow all the muscles to cool faster that hide and the fur and all that is going to insulate the animal to keep it warmer longer so still even if it's freezing it's still better to get that deer out of the woods and get it into refrigeration get it skinned and get that deer hanging Um, if you're not going to skin it and you're just going to hang it in the fridge, well then, you know, it's not as big of a deal. Some people prefer that for, uh, several reasons. That's not my particular, um, approach, but Hey, it's half, half dozen in one hand, six in the other. So you want to get that deer out of the woods. You want to get it cleaned out. You want to clean it as best as you can in the field. You want to remove everything you can remove that ought to be removed. And then you want to get that deer to where it's got to go.
0: Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker in wild country rules were not created by man don't miss wild country Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern presented by Primos speak the language Waypoint TV the destination for outdoor entertainment
1: okay so those are the two big things number one minimal activity before and after the shot on the deer's part number two Get in that deer field dressed as quickly as possible and into the cold. If it's already freezing outside, you've got a head start there. Uh, It's not as big of a deal. Number three, the age and sex of the deer do matter. Older deer, especially bucks, are going to typically have a more gamey taste and are going to typically be tougher meat. Not always, but typically it's, it's higher percentage chance. Now that's not to say every buck is gonna taste gamey. That's not to say every every old buck is gonna taste more gamey or is absolutely gonna be more um is, is gonna be more tough, but that's that's usually the way it goes. So younger deer are usually more tender and they're usually less gamey. Same with does. Older and older and older you get, they're gonna often be more ten- or more gamey. Now, what I've found, and this has been my experience, is that when you shoot year-and-a-half-old does that haven't bred the previous year, they're typically going to be the most tender and the least gamey. Uh, they've had the, 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 the least amount of, of you know hormones going on in their body. They, they've had the least amount of physical exertion in terms of, of rearing and nursing young. They are typically going to be the most tender and the most in uh, the least gaming but you can't really tell just by looking at them is that a year and a half ling that hasn't bred last year mm, you, you can't tell that even by even at 10 yards you can't tell whether or not they bred for sure last year because six month old does can breed and do on occasion they may breed later in the rut or in january but it does happen so and i'm not saying you should only try to shoot young does I'm just telling you out of all the deer those are probably the, the most tender and least gaming, but you also get the least meat so you gotta you gotta judge that if you're paying to have a deer butchered, you might pay I don't know seventy bucks a hundred bucks somewhere in that zone to, to get a deer butchered if you get thirty pounds of meat back versus fifty five pounds of meat back that the cost per or the the dollar per pound there is way different, so you gotta weigh that you, you know. That's just just something to consider. So that's three things there now that affect the the gaminess of deer and all of that. We could go a little further. There are a couple more things. We get a little more intricate now. I've already gone a little further on time, but let me just open, just give you some some tidbits on this that that you can take after here. So another one is going to be when you are cutting up the deer How careful are you in the field dressing process? Whatever you get in that deer, whatever spills that shouldn't be spilled, or if you cut the guts open, that is going to impact um, how much meat gets spoiled and what the flavor of that meat is. A lot of people, they like to, to gut the deer, and then they like to cut straight down through the pelvic bone and then push the legs apart so that they've got better access to work. But when you do that, you are cutting right into the top round, which is the the most tender and the the best cut of meat on the leg quarters, is the largest, tastiest muscle after the back straps, and you are now exposing that to everything. You're exposing that to the elements, you're exposing that to your knife, you're exposing that to contaminants potentially that are you know, in the digestive tract that are in the guts that are in the intestines, that, you know, whatever you might spill or mess up in there, you're exposing that to whatever you were touching before you touch the deer. You know, if you brush your hand across some some sagebrush and then you touch the inside of that uh, deer thigh, well now you're gonna have a sagebrush marinade. You know, if you touch one of the deer's glands, the tarsal gland, and then you touch that meat that you just cut into, you're gonna have um, a tarsal gland marinade it's, it's not good it's and you may lose a part of that meat or it just might not be palatable so you want to be careful with that I've started not cutting in through that pelvic bone at all not even cutting that meat just doing it another way because I don't want to contaminate or risk losing the prim- one of the most prime cuts on the animal and it works out really good and you end up with less spoilage and most of the time, you know, it is more, It is a little bit more difficult field dressing the deer with those legs still wanting to hang together without cutting through there. It is. It's, a, it's, it's just more complicated. It takes a little bit more patience. But the quality of the meat is worth that extra five minutes, in my opinion. Uh, the other side is cooking. You know, that's number five. How do you cook it? How do you prep it? What do you do with the meat? How many times do you freeze and thaw the meat? You know, some people they they'll bring the deer in, they'll hang it outside. And that deer will freeze overnight. And then it'll thaw the next day. And they're like, "Oh, we got to hang it for 3 or 4 days, which you should only do under controlled refrigeration for the record." I know it's old school just hanging from a tree in the winter time. It's fine. Well, it's, you know, 28 degrees at night and 35 degrees in the morning, and part of that meat is thawing and freezing two, three, four, five times before you ever even butcher it, that is really ruining the quality and taste of the meat. And the other thing is, okay, after you do butcher it, how many times in the freezer, out of the freezer, what are you doing, what's going on? Uh, the, The general rule of thumb is this. You can get a deer, freeze the animal, or freeze the quarters, freeze large chunks of it. You can thaw those chunks, those quarters, or that whole animal, one time, you can cut it up, and then you can freeze it one time. And that's it. Once you thaw it, after the second freeze, you need to cook it. If you do a third freeze, or second freeze on the individual cuts, you're gonna start impacting the quality of the meat. So you've got one freeze on the whole animal, or big quarters, and then you've got one freeze once you've broken it down, more than that is going to start to impact things. Now, people like to do all kinds of crazy things. They like to, to soak the meat overnight in vinegar, soak the, the meat overnight in milk. Uh, I was trained by a chef, a, a culinary chef, executive chef, Albert Woosh, who used to teach at a university close to me. And uh, his philosophy on that is you're killing the meat you're killing the natural flavor, you are just murdering the meat to make it taste like nothing. If you wanted it to taste like nothing, just don't get venison. Venison has a specific taste when it's good and that taste is excellent and you work with that taste in order to augment it in the cooking process to get the best flavor out of it. So you wanna, be, you want, you wanna watch your preparation but when you cook venison, you can't treat it just like beef. You cannot. And I'm going to talk more about cooking, uh, I think, in a later episode. We don't have that much time to get into that here. But venison needs to be served medium or, or medium rare. If you like your meat well done, uh, just don't even grill venison to well done. It will not be a good experience. Well done venison gets tough and tastes gamey. Doesn't, it doesn't matter what cut it is. If it's well done, it's going to be tough and gamey. There's a lot of cuts that are maybe subpar cuts that serve medium, are excellent, and they're tender. But because it's so lean, because there's so little fat in there, that that's gonna happen. So you don't wanna overcook it, and you wanna cook it the way it should be cooked. You need to get a good venison cookbook, get some recipes. Again, I'm gonna try to cover that in a future episode to help you out there. And the last one, the last point that I have for you is make sure you trim the fat, and the connective tissue and all the silver skin. Over trim. Venison fat, it's not like beef fat that adds flavor and adds moisture and adds wonderfulness. Venison fat adds gaminess. It is all bad. You want zero fat. You want zero connective tissue. You want zero silver skin. Zero, 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 zero. That meat should just look like 100% Red, silky deliciousness. It's not like beef. You want to trim all of that off. People say, well, I'm just wasting so much. Well, it's better to have a little bit less meat that is delicious than a little more meat that tastes lousy. Trim it all down. If you've butchering it yourself or you get it back from the butcher, don't expect them to have taken the same level of care. Trim it all down right before you cook it. You can freeze it with all that junk on it and then thought That's fine. Sometimes it's easier to, to trim it when it's still half frozen. Just trim it all down, boom, and there you go. So I hope that's helpful for you guys. Um, that's several years of trial and error and study and learning and cooking and tasting and wishing I had done it differently uh, boiled down into one episode. And we hadn't covered everything there is to cover, but that's enough for today. We can We can hit the rest down the road, so... Hope that's helpful. Head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes, more information, and other episodes. Until next time, God bless you guys, and go get them in the woods.
0: life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv